0: Responses. That's what we're getting from the Arizona County Board of Elections uh, in their reply to a letter from the Attorney General of the State of Arizona demanding information and transparency and a full accounting on the numerous voting irregularity allegations and corruption allegations and election fraud that have been made by many people who attempted to vote in Maricopa County this past election day. And we either prevented from doing so or were so exhausted through the runaround they were getting that they abandoned the request and left home. But according to Maricopa County, nothing has happened. Everything is fine, and no one, to their knowledge, was disenfranchised. Hi, everyone. I'm Jamie Dury, and welcome to another episode of The Jamie Dury Show. If you have not already done so, please subscribe to the show, and you can do so in one of three easy ways go to either the Google Play Store or the iTunes App Store and simply use your native podcast aggregator app to search out The Jamie Dury Show and click subscribe or go to those stores, download the free Podbean app, which is our hosting service, podbean.com, and you can simply subscribe to the show that way. Whichever way you choose, you'll be able to leave reviews and comments, Uh, give us a rating, please give us a good five-star rating, and. By all means, please share the show with other people. We see, um, as I reported the other day, evidence that the show is finally beginning to catch on. It does take some time to get these podcasts to catch on because there are so many people out there doing podcasts. And in a little, uh, little known fact, let me tell you that the average person who starts a podcast does approximately seven episodes before they give up and close. That's right. They do seven episodes and they give up. It's, it's incredible as that may seem to believe. That's what it is. Seven episodes. I'm happy to report that since we started doing it in 2020, we haven't always been able to do one every day, but we do one more than once a week. Uh, and we're getting back on track doing more and more. We've got over 200 episodes under our belt uh, and as evidence in the last week that our downloads are starting to increase and we want to see that trend continue. So please, by all means, share this show with every conservative or like-minded person you know or person you think would be interested in it uh, because the more listeners we get, the more exponentially the show will grow. So, in Arizona, as you know, there was um, a great deal of irregularities uh, in the voting. And a lot of people have come forward confirming this. It was, at minimum, one in five voting tabulation machines in Maricopa County was not in service. There were printer problems, there was an assortment of problems, and people were sent from one location to the next. Now, as far as they're concerned, they think it's an answer to say that no one was turned away. Let me just get some pull quotes here um, from some of this stuff. This is a quote here. Arizona, let's see, this letter was written to, uh, from Mark Bronovich, and here's what Arizona had to say, Supervisor Bill Gates. Coming out of the Thanksgiving holiday, I'm grateful for county staff who worked with great care and resolve to answer questions from the Arizona Attorney General's office about the November general election, said Board of Supervisors Bill Gates. And this guy's a Republican to make matters worse. Well, what he calls answers are not answers at all. In the coming days, We will provide additional facts and transparency to the AG and other interested parties. Most importantly, we will fulfill our statutory responsibility to canvass this election on Monday the 28th. In other words, we don't care that people made all types of allegations. We're not going to delay canvassing and certifying this election. We don't really care if Carrie Lake really won. We're going to do what we want to do. The door three procedures are legal. What is door three? Door three refers to a ballot box that is supposedly secure that these county officials said voters could place their ballots into on election day and be counted later. There's been a lot of uh, talk about this thing not being as secure and people that were checked into one location out of other locations. They've got a lot of boilerplate language here, and what's sad is that they consider this boilerplate language as having fully responded to the attorney general's letter. Quote from Gates, people were still able to vote. It was just a matter of maybe not voting in the way they wanted to. We do not believe that anyone has been disenfranchised because no one has been turned away. Well, that's not strictly true. You see, it's, it's the definition game, the oldest game in the books. Change the definitions, and you can make things sound like anything you want them to sound like. Now, in their minds, no one was disenfranchised because they said they didn't turn anyone away. But in point of fact, they did turn people away by telling them the voting machines are not working here, but you can vote someplace else. Go here. And then when they went there, there was problems with the voting machines there, and then they would send it to another place. Now, when you have people that really want to vote, uh, I guess if they're really, really diehards, they'll go to as many places as they have to to vote. Other people want to vote but may not have a burning desire, and they're not going to vote. The vast majority of people are not going to vote. We only get 60% response for voting in this country to begin with. And of those people who are inclined to vote, You're not going to get many who are going to vote if it takes them three hours to do it because they keep getting sent to other locations. They're just not going to do it. And since, as I said before, Republicans more than Democrats tend to vote on election day, any problems that occur on election day disproportionately affect Republican vote and suppress that vote to a far greater degree than they suppress any Democratic vote because most of that has already been taken up in advance. So. There's no question that people would disenfranchise, but they've turned the thing around by playing the definition game by saying, well, we didn't turn anyone away. We told them they could vote here and they could vote there, but they don't tell you that it took people three and four hours sometimes to vote. And that's going to suppress votes. They're not giving you those answers. So they haven't fully responded to the AG's uh, allegations and critical information. is needed the Maricopa County GOP now is getting involved and it's saying that the board of supervisors should by all means delay certification of the election results until those officials have fully responded to a letter issued by the Arizona uh, Arizona Attorney General's office and another sent by the Arizona Republican Party chairwoman Kelly Ward earlier this month so we have to keep our eye on that and see how that turns out it certainly looked as though Uh, Kerry Lake was closing the gap as these ballots were being counted, but I really wonder what's going to happen. There's something rotten in Denmark, uh, in Maricopa County, the most populous county in the state of Arizona, and if they don't get to the bottom of it soon, we're going to see a repeat of this in the 2024 presidential election. So I think Carrie Lake really needs to hold the line here, if not for her own political future, but for the political future of the country as a whole, when the 2020 presidential election uh, comes up, in a side story, nothing to do with this, but uh, about Arizona, but definitely about the right to vote, you'll see what happens when people get extreme. There is a group called True the Vote. Uh, They're seeking to make sure people are not disenfranchised because of this sort of nonsense. And I'm not talking about people not being disenfranchised or being disenfranchised because of asking for voter ID. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm talking about people being disenfranchised from this nonsense. And this woman, Catherine Engelbrecht, who's the co-founder of the election integrity group True the Vote, and Greg Phillips, a True the Vote board member, Uh, learned just how important it is to protect the right to vote as a way of protecting people's freedoms. They were jailed for contempt of court just a week before the 2022 midterms. Now, when do you think they do most of their work in ensuring election integrity? During the election or the days leading up to it when this early voting is out. So, Jailing them and incarcerating them a week before the election sort of derail them, did it not, and their program? They were detained by the U.S. Marshal Service on the orders of a federal judge in connection with a civil lawsuit brought against them by Connick, an election management software firm. One of those firms that played fast and loose with the rules in the 2020 presidential election. Miss Engelbrecht told Crossroads, a program on the Epic TV, on November 11th that she took many lessons from this incident, with one of them being how precious freedom is and how seriously we ought to take our civic duties and our responsibility to vote and our responsibility to stay engaged. Back in September, Connect sued the True to the Vote and its leaders, alleging that they gained unauthorized access to their computers and obtained information from them while defaming the company. In this lawsuit, Connick said the defendants made completely baseless claims and that Connick's CEO and employees were Chinese operatives and that the FBI was investigating Connick. The judge ordered the defendants in September to identify each person and group involved in accessing the computers, and to disclose how the computers were accessed. The defendants refused to reveal their source of information. Well, if they're investigative journalists, they don't have to reveal their source of information. Well, at the end of October, uh, board member Phillips said in an affidavit that the defendants would fully comply with the order and that the name of one person who was an FBI confidential informant and accessed information from a computer was revealed in court during a hearing. He also said that the only people who had possession, custody, or control of the information were the person whose name was revealed in court and the FBI and its agents. When Phillips and Engelbrecht continued refusing to reveal other information, including the name of an additional person who was present when Phillips allegedly viewed some data on the computer, the judge ordered the two of them jailed until they fully comply and to disclose the information. They were kept in jail then, and they were released from jail just a day before the midterm, uh, midterms through an emergency appeal to the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals, which overturned the lower court's order. Two weeks after the election, the Court of Appeals cleared the two true-to-the-vote leaders, Phillips and Engelbrecht, of contempt of court. In October, connex CEO, the plaintiff in the suit, was arrested for allegedly stealing poll worker data and hosting it on servers in China. Those charges were dismissed by a California judge on November 9th, at the request of Los Angeles District Attorney George Gascon. This is the guy that doesn't want to enforce the law. Now, these people said throughout their little odyssey, their brief odyssey through the federal system, the people who they had to deal with didn't know how to deal with them because they never saw anybody jailed for, civil, uh, for contempt in a civil case before. This was almost unprecedented. So just goes to show you that uh, when the Justice Department is controlled by the Democrats, the one who Uh, They want you to believe, um, you know, freedom for everyone and we're going to protect everybody. That's when these totalitarian practices come in. They went into a medium security prison and they were kept there until they were sprung by an appeal to the Fifth Circuit. So there's a little story that I'm sure you never heard uh, that the the mainstream media didn't want to give you, Uh, but it happened. It just goes to show you the extent people will go to hide the sort of things that are going on with our voting system. Now, what have we been hearing uh, from the Democrats? We always hear about protected classes, and we have to protect this person, and we have to protect that person. The Democrats are always looking for a new class of people to protect. They've pretty much run the limit with the homosexual lobby, uh, getting trying to get gay marriage into the mainstream, so... People don't view that as something that's in danger anymore. They think that uh, it's pretty taken care of. So they have to expand it now to the LGBTQ community and whatever else they can throw in pretty soon. Aliens will be in there too. Uh, Transgenders, you know, to create the impression that there's some epidemic going on against transgenders. And the mainstream media was quick to seize upon the shooting in Colorado Springs where five people were killed, and not only blamed it on, uh, on a right-wing extremist having committed the crime, they automatically assumed he was a right-wing extremist, but they tried to say he was indoctrinated to do this by right-wing media like Fox News. Well, Fox News didn't respond, but Tucker Carlson, a host on Fox News, did. And he did so in a very, very cogent and intelligent way. And it's kind of hard to deny the facts when he gives them to you. So I'm going to let you hear a little bit of this clip, uh, several pieces of the clip from Tucker Carlson uh, to give you his take on this. And it's very, very instructive to listen to this. And in full disclosure, I am very dissatisfied with Fox News since the 2020 election. Uh, And as Rupert Murdoch ages and his sons have a greater voice and role in the company, and they are left of center. Uh, I don't really watch it anymore. I occasionally watch clips that I think are valuable from shows like Tucker Carlson. He's about the only one left that I listen to on Fox News, and I watch those clips on YouTube, but I pretty much do not watch Fox News anymore. So listen to this clip. I think you'll find it enlightening. Good evening and welcome to Tucker Carlson tonight.
1: So if you've been watching the news recently, the one thing you know for certain about the accused gunman and the massacre in Colorado over the weekend is that he was a crazed right-wing anti-trans extremist. This is a man who was radicalized by this show and by the Twitter account Libs of TikTok to hate transgendered people. And that's why this man walks into a bar a gay bar with a gun and started murdering people. He did that because he was taught by right-wing media outlets to despise and fear the non-binary community. And that's why this show, libs of TikTok, must be hauled into court and bankrupted for what we've done so that we can never provoke this kind of horrifying violence ever again. That's the real lesson of this mass shooting.
0: Okay. And that is what Tucker Carlson was doing. He was describing the general cast. Now to think He was exaggerating. He was not. He goes on to give you some sound bites of what he just encapsulated in his little description from the mainstream media.
1: So that is what they've been telling you again and again and again on various news channels for the past three days. And we're not overstating that, by the way. Here's a selection of it. It It's a campaign being driven by members of Congress and conservative influencers on social media, as well as the right's most favorite TV network, Fox News. Those incidents at drag events I mentioned a few moments ago, they happened within the context of conservative media personalities fear-mongering against queer folks. Respected messengers from TV networks saying that these people are wrong and
0: they're trying to damage your children we have a long history of the lgbtq community being victimized demonized by especially right-wing media and republicans you have anti-lgbtq rhetoric spewed on the most watch hours on fox news at a regular clip against the u.s military against gay men and women against gay teachers against their right to exist Now, there's only one problem with all of this. This would be great, and maybe could be justified if it were true. But we've just learned, as Tucker Carlson goes on to state, that this is not true. It's not true in any way, shape, or form. Because we've just learned that the man who's responsible for this Mr. Anderson Lee Aldrich, not his original name, by the way, he had his name changed legally because of uh, problems with his father and all sorts of things, that he now identifies as non-binary. In other words, he's gay himself. Public defenders representing Anderson Lee Aldrich, the suspect of accusing, uh, accused of killing five people and injuring 17 more in a mass shooting at a gay nightclub in Colorado Springs over the weekend, are describing the 22-year-old in court documents as non-binary. In several standard motions filed on behalf of Aldrich on Tuesday, the public defenders referred to the suspect as M.X. Aldrich. Mix Aldrich. Not Mr., not Mrs., not Miss, but Mix Aldrich. The motions deal with issues like unsealing documents. Uh, evidence-gathering, however. His identity, there was no elaboration on it. All Anderson Aldrich is non-binary, reads the footnotes in the documents. They use they, them pronouns, and for the purposes of all f- formal filings, will be addressed as M.X. Aldrich. This is from his court-assigned public defender attorneys. So the mainstream media got caught with their pants down. They got caught in a bold lie, selling political propaganda as news. But do they apologize for it when they're caught? No, they do not. What do they do? They double down. Tune into a few more clips, and you'll see them saying, he's lying! He's lying when he's saying he's not a right-wing extremist. He's lying when he's he's saying he's non-binary. It sounds to me like he's just doing this to uh, build up a defense against a hate crime. You can't make this stuff up. In another incident, not as widely publicized, a a man was accused of uh, being anti-gay, and uh, the episode was described as a hate crime by the bar owner. In a New York City bar, a man threw bricks through the window of this New York City gay bar. Over the last month, there was a bar called Ver's, It said Hell's Kitchen has experienced four separate incidents of the same person throwing bricks through its window. All the New York media and leftists immediately said it was evidence of some sort of anti-gay sinister act. The owner of the bar says, it sounds like another uh, uh, incidence of hate uh, me. A couple of quotes here. Quote, the epidemic of the anti-LGBTQ plus violence is national according to Manhattan Borough President Mark Levine in a tweet. A well-known gay bar on Manhattan's west side has been attacked repeatedly in weeks. We cannot stand for this. Okay. New York City Councilmember Eric Botcher, who represents the area, said definitively, These are hate crimes against the LGBTQ plus community. Plus, that's to let in anybody else like the aliens I talked about earlier. Except Botcher botched his claims. The New York City Police Department has a man in custody. The suspect is 34-year-old Sean Coulin. Kulian is not being charged with a hate crime. Well, how can this be? He threw bricks on four different occasions through the window of a gay bar. That's the epitome of a hate crime, is it not? Well, not exactly. Why? Well, because Sean, good old boy that he is, is gay. He's gay himself. And his actions have nothing to do with a hate crime. According to the New York City Police Department Chief of Detectives James Essig, the suspect vandalized the place in defense of some girl he knows. Quote, Basically, what he says is he knows a girl who had a problem with one of the guys in the bar and he was exacting revenge. As of right now, we don't have any reason to believe it is a hate crime. Indeed, Coolian told authorities, I'm gay myself, as they took him out of the paddy wagon and into court earlier this week. Unlike other hate crime hoaxes, I'm reading from an uh, article here on the Daily Wire. The suspect here doesn't appear as if he is trying to perpetuate a false narrative. Indeed, I don't blame the suspect. He's not the one who went out and called it a hate crime. Jesse Smollett is a hate crime hoaxer because he used his celebrity status to push the notion that there were roaming bands of MAGA thugs traveling through the streets of Chicago in the dead of night, beating up Hollywood celebrities for being gay and liberal. And we've since learned that he set up the whole thing, that he paid these two guys to beat him up and that they weren't white. They were black. But this guy just seemed to be going out there exacting revenge, but just goes to show you how the media is looking to make anything a propaganda moment. They didn't bother to wait for the facts. All they heard was man throws brick through window of gay bar, got to be a hate crime. Can't be a, a gay guy that had a problem with the gay owner, or a gay guy that had a problem with another gay guy in the bar and decide to throw the uh, the brick. In this case, a gay man defending a woman who was dissed or somehow uh, uh, hurt or offended by one of the men in the bar, but it was anything but a hate crime or a bias. Incident, as they call it. But still, Botcher and Levine, their tweets are still out there. They haven't retracted them, and they haven't recanted them in any way. So this is what's taking place in our media, our unbiased media. Now, I think people's tolerance for this sort of thing is beginning to dwindle. Um, They're beginning to start to push back You're going to see it more and more as the red states get redder because people are going to those states looking for freedom, and blue states get bluer because people are leaving those states, reducing their populations, reducing their electoral votes, reducing their congressional representation, and reducing their influence in the affairs of state of this country going forward. We've already seen, as I said in previous episodes, a sharp decline in the electoral vote totals Of blue states and an increase in red states. It wasn't that long ago, just only when George W. Bush was running for president, that Florida had, I believe, 23 or 25 electoral votes. As it stands now, Florida will have 30 electoral votes in the next presidential election in 2024. And if the way they voted for Ron DeSantis and Marco Rubio flipping Miami Dade County red, uh, them winning by comfortable margins, it's probably a pretty fair bet that whoever the Republican nominee is, and I believe that person is going to be Donald Trump, is going to carry the state of Florida and the state of Texas, which now has 40 electoral votes, garnering themselves 70 electoral votes en route to the 270 needed to win the Oval Office. So uh, this is the trend. In addition to that, we see now people calling out our public education system and this is long overdue and I think we may see in a few short years the head of the union, Randy Weingarten, uh, perhaps getting a great deal of pressure to step down because a very high profile man had just called her the most dangerous person in the world. Former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo said that the most dangerous person in the world isn't someone like the leader of nuclear-armed North Korea but American Federation of Teachers President Randy Weingarten because teachers' unions push filth on children and undercut the principle of American exceptionalism. Now, he made these remarks November 21st uh, in an interview with Semaphore in which he also discussed you know, other threats posed to the United States by communist China so on and so forth. Um, but he did talk about Randy Weingarten. This came as he was talking about China and the dangers in North Korea. And then he was asked, who's the most dangerous person in the world? Is it Chairman Kim? Is it Xi uh, uh, Ping, referring to the leaders in China and North Korea? The most dangerous person in the world, said Mike Pompeo, is Randy Weingarten. It's not a close call. If you ask who's the most likely to take this republic down, it would be the teachers union and the filth that they're teaching our kids and the fact that they don't know math and reading or writing. Asked if his remarks about Weingarten being the most dangerous person in the world or pointing to something crazy In a textbook or classroom is about owning the libs rather than substantive criticism. Pompeo said it's about more than just scoring political points. Quote If there's something in the textbook that shouldn't be there, it's okay to identify that and call it out. But that's just openers, that's identification of risk. What is driving his remarks? This revisionist history that's being pushed by these liberals that run our education system, this critical race theory. The whole core idea behind critical race theory is interpreting society through a Marxist philosophy of the oppressor or the oppressed. Everyone is either an oppressor or they're the oppressed. And then they replaced the class categories with racial groups. Proponents of critical race theory claim that there's systemic racism and white supremacy persists in all aspects of American life while demanding the implementation of anti-racist policies such as race-based redistribution of wealth and power along perceived lines of racial equality this is social engineering and this is why it's going to be difficult to win back our country not because um, our ideas our ideas of conservatism and libertarian theory and limited government don't make sense but because we have an indoctrinated future electorate by virtue of the crap that's being forced down their throats by the likes of Randy Weingarten and her confeder- and her uh, Confederates that make people disbelieve what we're saying and believe what they're saying. They want you to believe that America is an unjust country and was founded uh, illegitimately. They want you to believe in things like the 1619 Project. Now, if you don't know what the 1619 Project is, I'll tell you. Uh, Leading up to it, uh, though, Pompeo did say that if children aren't educated in a way that makes them appreciate the principle of American exceptionalism, we're done. If they think it's an oppressor class and an an oppressed class, if they think the 1619 Project, and we were founded on a racist idea, if those things uh, are the things that people in seventh grade get deeply embedded in their understanding of America— it's difficult to understand how Chinese leader Xi Ping's claim that America is in decline won't prove true. Now, the 169 project, 1619, sorry, project, is essentially the claim that the United States wasn't founded in 1776 on the principle of freedom, but in 1619 on the back of slavery and oppression, and that these notions remain deeply embedded in today's America. This has been challenged by numerous historians with many denouncing the 1619 Project as a falsification of history. But that's what's being done. And when you get things like this being taught to your children, when you get five-year-olds being encouraged to sit for drag queen story time in this sort of lunacy, you can understand why a man like Pompeo, who's not a fringe player and he's not an extremist, would say very justifiably, that the greatest threat to America right now is not China. The threat is from within, from people like Randy Weingarten. Randy Weingarten is beyond a Democrat. She's beyond a liberal. She is an absolute socialist-slash-communist extremist. She's a leftist extremist. She thinks that there is an absolute right that exists by public schools to teach all of America. She views any private school as taking away resources, if there's like a a charter school or anything that gets public money, taking away resources that could have been better spent on allowing us to educate our children in the public schools. No, parents who want their children to go to private school or a charter school don't want their children to go to public school because they realize they're not being educated there, they're being indoctrinated. My own son never recited pledge of allegiance When he graduated middle school last year he just entered high school this year They handed him and his fellow classmates a sheet of paper It was the dec- it was the pledge of allegiance They wanted them all to memorize it so that they could recite it on graduation day Why the pretense they never recited it one day during school. Why do it? All for show for the parents, to let the parents think that American ideals are still being taught in public school? It's a, it's a dog and pony show. And quite frankly, I don't know why they would bother in Manhattan, because most of the parents in Manhattan are as afflicted with leftist ideology as the teachers union is. But that's the state of affairs here. So we're going to take this ball, and we're going to run with it here on the Jamie Dury Show. We're going to keep following the activities of Randy Weingarten, and we're going to put her front and center. The soldiers in the war have been identified. The enemy has been identified. And now that they've been identified, we're going to put them on Front Street. So if you want to hear more on Randy Weingarten and the affairs of the Teachers Union, and what they're doing to your children, what they're trying to do to our country by virtue of indoctrinating your children, I urge you to subscribe to this show and tell your friends about it, because we're going to talk about things here and continue to talk about things here, as we always have, that other people and other comp- commentators simply won't talk about. So be here or be nowhere. For The Jamie Dury Show, I'm Jamie Dury.